0: Welcome to Romans Untangled, the podcast where we take a seemingly difficult book of the Bible and untangle it so that we can enjoy its beauty. Season 4, Episode 7 Accepting One Another, Romans 15 1 13. Probably the most difficult thing to do, maybe in life, but especially in the church community, is to actually love and appreciate people especially those with whom you differ. When those differences are about the ways that we have chosen to live out our freedom in Christ and what that looks like, uh, it can cause some significant tension, especially when it's rooted in family history customs. This week on Romans Untangled, we're going to dive right into Paul's teaching about how the gospel calls us to accept one another deeply from the heart. Pastor Steve Treichler here from Hope Community Church, Minneapolis, Minnesota. I want to welcome you back to Romans Untangled for our last few episodes of this entire series. It's been a heavy week here, for sure. We are in the seventh day right now. These episodes are recorded a little bit early of the Israel and Hamas war, and it has just really grieved me to see the horrific images of the warfare and the brutality that's happening towards one another in that area of the world. And, it, and in a lot of ways, it's, it's very relevant even for our study today, but my prayers have been going out and continue to go out to the people of that region, uh, that God would just do a rem- remarkable work of healing, of making his name great there and that there would be peace in that region. You can see this age-old conflict that has gone on there between Jewish people and uh, non-Jewish people. In this case, it's mostly from people from the Islamic faith. But, But there's a long history of Israel being at war and the Jew and Gentile relationship being very, very hostile. And that is extremely relevant as we read the book of Romans and understand what what some of the history was and and how people felt about each other in those days. Now, obviously, at the time when the Book of Romans was being written, Israel was not a nation. It had been exiled, and the Roman Empire had come in and taken over everything. However, with that said, the people of Israel kind kind of viewed themselves differently, and other races, ethnicities... They're all Roman citizens, but but other people kind of viewed them differently, and, and, and there was significant tension. And realize now that, that when, when Christ comes and the Apostle Paul and others start planting churches in the known region, and they're starting to be filled, these new churches, with Jewish people and Gentile people, they're going to be doing something very cross-cultural, and that is hanging out with one another. <laughs> And that if you start to feel some of that tension that's there, you'll understand better, I think, one of the main thing that's going on in the book of Romans, and that is dealing with how do we work this out together. In fact, I think that's one of the beautiful stories of scripture, is that it seems to be just a Jewish book only. And by the time we get to the New Testament, we realize it's for all people. And yet... That doesn't mean that we're supposed to be dismissive. Those of us who are not Jewish or Gentile, that would be called, we're not to be dismissive of Jewish people. And so it's just, it's just filled with this, and it's filled with gospel realities about what Christ has done for us, who we are in Christ, whose we are now in Jesus, uh, and then and then also just how we live. And we've been going through this a lot. Last week on Romans Untangled, we looked at the whole chapter of Romans 14. That was quite a quite a big chunk of text. I want to go just refresh your memory because it's going to lean into our passage today, which is Romans 15, 1 to 13. Let me just read a few verses here. I'm um, going to start in verse 1, then I'll tell you when I'm going to skip down. So if you have, have a Bible with you, you can kind of follow along. Romans 14. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. And we'd spent time, some time talking about this last week, that the weakness doesn't mean less of, it just means it's not as aware of the freedoms that we really have. It hasn't yet had a chance to mature. And, and generally speaking here, Paul is, is in, in a lot of ways, ironically, going to put the Jewish people who are held to the customs of Judaism... And he's going to call them weak, which is such a role reversal by the way he would have viewed even himself before he became a Christian. And so he's now saying, don't get caught up in all these things. Go to verse 5. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Skip down to verse 7. It says, for none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? Skip down to verse 13 here. Therefore, stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. So Paul is saying here, I, 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 I no longer view things like that. I have a different viewpoint than that. He said that's who he is, and we're going to see that even now when we look at Romans 15. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and a mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. So he's going to go out here and say, listen, I I fully am convinced that the freedom we now have in the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, takes away these food laws, takes away a lot of the ceremonial things of the Old Testament. We're, We're not under that. Even as Jewish people, we're not under it but yet I'm not going to use my freedom to flaunt it in the face of these people and to destroy them. Okay, that's just kind of a setup for this week's passage. It's a beautiful passage. Uh, Romans 15, 1 to 13. Let me read it through, and then we'll untangle it together. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again, it says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, It's a great passage, fantastic. Let's go through it now. L- l- let me just start here. I know this 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 podcast is called Romans Untangled, so let me just start by kind of looking at the big idea here. And sometimes I think that's what you need to do in Romans: is you back off and you say, "All right, what's what's the big idea? What's Paul really trying to get at here?" Right. And so I, I think we can boil it down to two verses. All right. First one is verse 1 and then the second one would be verse 7 all right so and again people might say oh there's so many other things that are important i understand it but but this he's telling us things that we ought to do ought to think about the ways we ought to to be in community with one another in light of the gospel now we're not going to treat each other the way we did without understanding what Christ has done for us and without the new realities we have because we're in Christ and without the new realities of our spirit-filled living, right? That's all, it's, Everything's different now, okay? Here we go. Verse 1. We who are strong ought, uh, we're indebted to, bear. Bear is a great word there, right? Bear with the failings of the weak, not to please ourselves. And then that leads into, I think he crescendos it into verse 7, and then everything after that kind of supports that. He says, accept one another then. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Okay, so let me uh, let me kind of unpack the verse 1 there. We'll kind of list the, some of the things that are happening between verse 1 and verse 7, and then we'll land on verse 7. Okay, so let's look at this. First of all, he says we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. He he really likes to use this word "please," right? And that's a fun word to do a little word study on. And I did a little word study and it just says uh, to give pleasure or satisfaction. It means to accommodate. In other words, it means to bring comfort and all these kind of things, right? In other words, if I'm strong. I'm supposed to bear with, and it uses the, it's interesting here. He uses the word failings. Wow. So he would say what they're doing here, they're not using their freedom correctly. They could be more free, but it's not in a way that they're adding anything to Jesus to say that they, they need these things in order to be right with God, but they're not living out their freedom correctly. And he calls it failings. And yet he says, I, my goal here is to minister to people where they're at, and then not to just comfort or not just to seek my own good or not just to please or not just to give satisfaction for myself. Verse 2, each of us should please our neighbors for their good, to build them up. Wow, just think about it. Does that mean every relationship I come in, do I view it as my goal to build them up? Or is it to be right or to maybe even to kind of tear them down? The gospel has a new orientation for the believer that that's what we do in society. We're builder uppers. And he links this like he always does. (laughs) The apostle Paul loves to show you, look at Jesus both as your source, both as uh, the one who is the great power that you have, the way, the reality of what the gospel is in your life. But not only that, as a great example for for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, and he quotes from Psalm 69.9, and he says, the insults of those who insult you, and the you there is God, so those who insult God the Father have fallen on me, Christ the, the Son. He, he says, I'm not, I'm actually not going to just seek my own pleasure. I'm going to take all of this sin and thing, uh, the failings of the world and put them on me. Now, Kama, I don't want to speak for you, but I know that this is one of the hardest things in my life. I have realized uh, over periods of time, uh, since becoming a follower of Jesus, 40 plus years ago now, how selfish I am. And, And then I stop and say, wait a minute, I'm not selfish. I just want what I want, when I want it, how I want it, with who I want it, <laughs> but I'm not selfish. I, we are incredibly people who look inwards to self. We, we, we look at what's going to make us the most comfortable. And I man, I have comfort idols. I have selfish idols. I have making things right for me. I have harmony idols. I mean, there's all kinds of things going on within me that I'm so glad Jesus doesn't have that he is willing to go to the cross for me and to lay all those down. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with comfort. I think comfort's a great thing. In fact, we're going to see that in just a second. Paul's going to lift this up and say that comfort's a great thing. I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting harmony amongst people. I don't think that those are wrong things. It is, though, when they become God things. Remember, we talked about that way back in season one, when when good things become God things, they become bad things. They become idols. And so... Uh, comfort can be one of those things. Now, Paul's going to lean in on this here in verse four. He says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So he's talking about the Old Testament. So that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Now, it's interesting that the word endurance there means perseverance or long suffering or looking at the whole amount of the story taught in the scriptures and the encouragement or another way that word could be uh, uh Translated as the word comfort. They give comfort. Now, not only the scriptures do that, but look at verse 5. May the God who gives endurance, perseverance, and encouragement, comfort, give you the same attitude of mind toward one another, toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one Voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, that is awesome. That's what true unity is. It's where I have this attitude of mind towards towards others that says, I love you exactly the way you are. Look at verse seven then. Accept one another then, Just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Now, how did Jesus accept you? That's what, right, the the, the analogy here is I'm supposed to accept others the way that Jesus accepted me. How did Jesus accept me? Well, he accepted me exactly the way I am. Romans 5, 8, right? But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he accepts me that way. Now, we love to use this phrase at our church all the time. Uh, We love you exactly the way you are, but we love you too much to leave you there. We want you to grow. So how does Christ accept me? He accepts me unconditionally, 100%, and he says, I take you exactly as you are. I want you just to bask in that for a minute. And realize that unconditional love that is there for you. There's nothing you can do that will make Jesus Christ love you more. And nothing you can do that will make Jesus Christ love you less. He has fully accepted you. And, it's not a but here, and he loves you too much to leave you there. So that doesn't mean that we avoid speaking into other people's lives, or even our own lives. Of course not. It just means that the gospel reality of acceptance makes me just kind of breathe a little easier and say, okay, I accept you, brother. I don't necessarily agree with you on all things, but wow, do I love you and accept you. And I refuse to dwell on these things that are our differences. You could pray for me on that. That's something... Uh, You know, pray for each other on this. This is hard. And here, the the promises it comes through Scripture, and it also comes from God. May he give that to us, right? Verse 8. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Okay, so now he's going to lean into the problem in the church, right? The problem is a Jew-Gentile problem. The problem is cultures at war, cultures that are really radically different, and people looking down on one another for their cultures, and especially the Jewish people lining their culture up with being followers of God, and these Gentiles don't. And so there's kind of a snobbery towards them, all right? And in the gospel, Paul's trying to teach, you've got to lay all that down. Both sides have to lay that down, right? Right? And he's doing in verse eight and nine here in chapter 15, he's really going back to chapters nine, 10, and 11. We spent a whole season just looking at the story of Scripture and how what is Israel's purpose and how does that line up with the Gentiles coming in and what's the overarching story of Scripture, right? It's just fascinating stuff, right? And he's saying that. God or Christ is a servant of the Jews so that the promises made to the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob might be confirmed and so that the Gentiles. Now, anytime you see the word Gentiles, also say in your mind nations because that's what the ethne, the word is ethne. Ethne is where we get ethnos or ethnic groups, right? And so it means nations so that the nations might glorify God. Okay, so... So what you have going on here is you, you have to understand the storyline includes both, both Jews and the nations, all the, the one nation, Jewish nation, and all the other nations. And they all come together now. And now he's going to quote the Old Testament to prove this and to go back to his statement here that the what was written in the past was written to teach us. And here's what was written in the past, Psalm 18, 49. Therefore, I will praise you among the nations, among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Uh, In Deuteronomy 32, it says, rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. Gentiles, rejoice with his people. Psalm 117, he says, he quotes, he says, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, all you nations, let all the peoples extol him. And then he goes to Isaiah 11, and he says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will rise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. Now, that passage right there is so fascinating. We have got to go back and take a look at it. We could do this for all of them, but I had time to look at this one. It's fascinating. Listen to Isaiah 11. I want to read all the way through Um uh, let me see. I I think I'm gonna read all the way through here. This is Isaiah 11:10. Uh, let me just read through 11, okay? And so you'll you'll see this. And if you got your, you can flip over to this. This is fascinating. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. So this is fascinating, right? We're talking about somebody coming out of Jesse. That's the line. That's a way of saying out of David's line, right? There's someone that's coming and it's, there's a branch is going to come. And it's going to bear fruit. So every scholar said this is lining up with it's talking about Jesus, and it's a, it's a prophetic word about Jesus. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness, he will just judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, will he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. Waste. So here you see this ruler. He's going to come up, and he's going to have this rod of his mouth, and he—it's going to be—it's—it's it's like an imagery of 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 victory, uh, a military victory, right? As a result of that, something crazy happens. Look at verse six, and if you have your Bible open, the wolf will lie down with the, will will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This branch of Jesse, this one that is coming, this one who is going to be different than everyone else, and he's going to rule in a very incredible way over all the earth. But the the ruling that he's going to have is not one of fear and terror and you know what we're seeing in earthly wars. He's gonna bring unbelievable peace. Things that we would never think of. A young child putting his hand into a cobra's nest, right? And it says, The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And now he's gonna quote the the verse that that he uh uh Quotes from here, it says, in that day, I'm reading from a little different version that I had here, but it says, in that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples, the nations, or Gentiles, will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. Now look at verse 11. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the Mediterranean. Okay, so he's saying now there's something that's going to happen that is—and this is what the people of Israel, as they would have read Isaiah— It was during the exile and they were scattered around and they would have been looking for verse 11. The Lord is going to reach out his hand. He's going to bring his people back, but it's not just that. It says that the nations are going to come to him. That was always the plan. It's right there in the Old Testament. And Paul wants to make it clear that that always was the plan. Now, I want to Click into something here because this goes back to something we raised on the very first season in the very third episode when we talked about Romans 1-5. And in Romans 1-5, Paul brings up an interesting, uh, interesting, I don't know what you call it, uh, uh, concept or whatever. Here's what he says. He's, this is his introduction, and he says, through him, that's Jesus, we have received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles, all the nations to the obedience that comes from faith, for His namesake. Okay, and I teased that out a little bit because I said, "What does that mean? Does that? There's a lot of controversy of what the obedience that comes from faith. What does that mean?" And and I said, "We're not going to answer this because the book closes, sixteen twenty-six, the the very end of the book. Uh, here in, in a few weeks, we're going to get to, and and we said we're going to wait to see. It seems like this the 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 the." Uh, the book of Romans should answer. What does this really mean? And I'm not going to tell you yet. <laughs> We're going to wait here a little bit. But I, I want you to remember, put a, put a mental uh, pin in this discussion right here and in Isaiah 11 and how that takes place. He's going to close this section with a, with a blessing. And I want to give you this blessing as well. Wherever you're at, may this be a blessing over you this week. Verse 13, Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. May that be your reality this next upcoming week. May that be something we see in our world. We pray this for the Middle East in all the conflicts they're going through. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you for our final few episodes here on Romans Untangled next time.